Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. And welcome back to Pixels. This is a show where we cover the news from the video game world from the past couple of weeks. My name is Patrick Beja. And, uh, well, you might be a little bit surprised if you listened to the last episode to hear me uh, come back to you so soon or so, I don't know, to be back here because uh, I'm supposed to be on parental leave. But guess what? Everyone who was saying the baby is going to come early was wrong. And it's actually pretty late. The due date was a few days ago. And so I was like, well, what am I, you know, I'm twiddling my, my, turning my thumbs or something. And, uh, well, let's do a show. So I called up Ed and I was like, dude, do you want to wake up super early on a Saturday morning to do an episode of Pixels? <laughs> and he was like, uh, and I was like, excellent. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And here you are. <laughs> so thanks for being on. Yeah, you're welcome. Sorry, I missed last uh, last podcast. You're gonna have me on for that, and I uh, uh, came down with something. So I'm I'm glad to be back. Well, I'm I'm getting back at you now. Um, so it's yeah. all good. <laughs> Serves me right. <laughs> Um, right, and we have a few things to talk about, um, and so it's good because I'm I'm guessing that at some point in the next few days the baby is finally gonna arrive, so I'm gonna have less time at that point. Although you know I'm I'm sort of in a in a stance uh, in a place now where it's like, you know what? Maybe it's actually it's always it's gonna stay in there. Maybe it's just comfortable. It's not gonna come out. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe that's, that's just, our life now. That's just your life now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so right, but. Enough with baby talk. Um, we are we do have things to talk about in the gaming world, and uh, we have Nintendo that announced uh, something quite surprising. We have <clears throat> we have a couple of games that are coming out very soon. We have a bunch of games that uh, we tried uh, that we're going to talk about because why not? It's a relatively quiet uh, um, week or couple of weeks, and a bunch of news. Some of them are a little bit uh, sadness inducing for the games we used to love. Uh, but let's start with Nintendo and their announcement of Nintendo Labo, which was, I, I, I'm pretty sure no one could have predicted something <laughs> like this. And uh, the reactions were, I want to say mixed, at least in France, people were a little bit uh, uh, not 
not convinced, let's say. But uh, let's start with what it is. I'm sure many of you have heard about the cardboard Nintendo thing that they announced. And uh, they were very careful to say this is going to be a new, different way to play with your Nintendo Switch aimed at children or at people who are children at heart, I guess. And uh, the way it works is that they have complex... Uh, keyboard uh, keyboard uh, cardboard uh, pre-cut cardboard that you have to assemble you know bend and uh, attach and they have like elastic bands and uh, rope bits and things like that and like reflective surfaces and you make cardboard toys uh, which are you know pretty sturdy cardboard it's not the the flimsy thing that is going to um, be destroyed after a couple of hours, or at least hopefully. And they're somewhat complex things to assemble. It doesn't take, you know, 10 minutes. Some of them take a couple of hours. And uh, there are things like pianos, fishing rods, uh, bikes, a, a giant robot one that is uh, one uh, game in itself. And of course, it comes with um, the software as well. And so you put your Switch controllers in parts of it and your screen in parts of it, and it makes for different kind of toys. And the cardboard portions are uh, called the, the Toy Cons, which is, of course, uh, reminiscent of Joy Cons, the controllers themselves. And so it's things like little, uh, like, how do you call them? Like carts that you put the controller in and through vibration slot. yeah there's a slot for the controller and through vibration it's going to move like it's actually going to be a little uh, car that moves around and you can control it because you can control the vibration um the piano which we mentioned the motorbike uh that we uh, mentioned as well so and the the each there are two bundles one with with a number of different cardboards and games which are most of the ones I mentioned, uh, which is about 70 bucks. And the other one is a robot. Like you actually create kind of a robot suit for yourself or for the kid. And you have like levers and pulleys and, and, and uh, strings that pull on stuff that translate into movement in the game that you're looking at. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something unexpected. Um, what do you think of it? Is it a good move for Nintendo? Is it uh, something you're interested in personally? What do you think? So at, at first, I was like, what am I looking at here, right? <laughs> um, especially the, the one that really blew my mind, and now I kind of understand how it works, but the one that blew my mind was the piano. And mm. I was like, how is that working with like no cables and stuff? And then I remembered the right Joy-Con has an IR receiver on the end of it. So, you, so that's I think how... I think that one, the way it works is that they have reflexive tape on yeah. um, the bits that, right. And it's uh, the uh, IR receiver or maybe even the, the camera. I don't know. But it's, yeah, it's it's visual. It's optical. Yeah, it, yeah, it's the same the same way that if you've played the 1-2-Switch game where, where you had to eat the, like, sandwiches or something like that. It's the same idea where you can, okay. you can tell how far away it, it is from your mouth and, like, when things, when your mouth closes. um but yeah so so it's pretty cool um and just the fact that there's like 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 no wires or anything uh connected to this thing it's just like cardboard and um you can literally take a piece of cardboard and cut it up in this in this like fashion and or and create the same thing um and they said that they're they like are making the uh, like 
APIs and stuff more of it, more available and like more documented for um, different people to use. So I could see like I could see like the the steering wheel becoming a co- common thing with racing games and 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 like just more and more things being built off. Yeah, or even top, some kind of, of a this. maker community that would get together right. and create things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, potentially it could happen. Um, I think. Yeah, it will be a little bit less than people who are very enthusiastic about it are hoping for, but I guess it could <laughs> it could spawn something. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's definitely like targeted towards uh, kids and and getting um, them, and it could even like have have some applications towards like um, games that are for education purposes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the, the potentials are. Are, are fairly endless um, with this kind of idea, and I mean, I was absolutely blown away by by. I guess I just didn't wasn't expecting it, like you said. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's got potential. Uh, it's going to rest the the success is going to rest on the um, whether or not the magic happens when you blend some physical uh, things with the screen and electronics of the components of the switch because mm-hmm. you know it i guess all of the educational aspects could be achieved with legos or playmobiles or whatever you know kind of toys you you want to talk about the the magic here is that you can have the screen aspect of it interact with the physical world and then it can become something more um we'll have to wait and see if it actually does become something more um but and I, I'm also a little bit, uh, you know, it's gonna. They mentioned it's gonna take a couple of hours to put together some of those, so it's not simple things. I'm not sure a lot of people are gonna be able to, you know, you can't just get your a piece of cardboard, fold it three times, and get a toy for this. It's it's <laughs> some pretty, even though it's cardboard, I think it's some pretty serious engineering. Um, what we might see is some. Chinese or you know other types of factories that are going to sell knockoffs of Amazon for cheaper or maybe some people are going to figure out some ways to do some different things in the same style I don't think we're going to see everyone from home you know even the how do you cut the cardboard in the way that it works properly maybe some people are going to figure it out but I, I think it's more complicated than people expect um we had a, a somewhat negative reaction from a faction of the gaming population in France uh, that were saying, oh, 70 bucks for car- a piece of cardboard. That's ridiculous, <laughs> which I thought in itself was kind of dumb because obviously you're not paying just for the cardboard. You're paying for the research well, and engineering first, and, the, yeah. and the game, you know, that's, that's designed and the success of the company and the Switch. But did you have that kind of reaction in the US as well? Or Yeah, I mean, that was, that was mm. definitely one of the one of the initial reactions to it um i think that people kind of jumped on it and saw like oh 70 dollars or 80 dollars for the robot one and thought it was uh craziness but um having the, the game that came with it kind of made sense even if the game is just a sec uh bunch of mini games but they sold one to switch for 60 dollars too so <laughs> <laughs> which arguably was too expensive i would say yeah but yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I think if you have a kid and you're you want to have fun in that way in a physical manner, I think it's absolutely, you know, it's a game, and I don't mm-hmm. think, yeah, I mean, maybe some people would argue, oh well, if it was fifty bucks, it would be okay, and then you're like, dude, okay, all right, you know, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> it's kind of okay. You're gonna throw a stink for the twenty bucks with 
obviously the success of the switch allows nintendo for um setting their prices a little bit higher and that's what i always say i think it's if it works it's worth that amount of money probably if you spend you know a, a, a week worth of fun with your kid for 70 bucks it seems like it would be uh you know taking them to a movie is is probably 20 bucks for the both of you if not more for probably 30 so anyway mm-hmm. and what i always say is the the those companies when they set the price initially they can always lower it if it's too high and the, the people don't respond to it but Increasing a price if you have a huge success is almost impossible. I mean, it is impossible. <laughs> yeah. So it's not surprising that with the success of the Switch, Nintendo is is trying to maybe they they set it to ten bucks more expensive than they they should have if if things were not as successful. But um, it's also interesting to see Nintendo trying to expand the range of the Switch uh, to get people that are maybe a little bit of a different kind of player and differentiating themselves from Sony and Microsoft, which is something they've always done since the Wii. And it was a conscious choice at the time that they were going to do something um, more, you know, not just compete with high, super powerful console with killer games right i mean like core games obviously they have a lot of very successful games as we've seen with the first year of the switch but they also try to do other things and uh, they've always done that to an extent i mean they're originally a trading uh, uh, a play playing cards company and they've done things like you know i don't know if you remember the robot from the nest i mean you probably weren't born but uh <laughs> i, I, I lightly remember the, the yeah. nes thank you <laughs> the nes you know do you remember that robot like that no no, okay. See, there you go. <laughs> That's why you were so uh, so uh, quiet in your rebuttal of my insult. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they had that that little robot thing that I bought in the eighties. But uh, anyway, so we'll see how it goes. But I think it's an interesting idea, and it's going to bring. And and it's funny that they were so clear about the fact that it's a, a toy kind of thing for kids, mm-hmm. and still people were like, "Ah, oh, Nintendo hates gaming." And you're like, dude. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the people's reactions um, to the pre-announcement was like, they said it's going to be for kids, and then they were like, the the reaction afterwards was, this wasn't Smash. I wanted Smash. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like <laughs> this is going to be for kids. Oh, okay. And then they announced it, and people are like, oh, what the hell? This is for kids. And like, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, anyway, so. Interesting concept. Uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. And um, we'll, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be out in April, on April 20th, I believe. And um, there are still some details that are going to be coming out. So, Nintendo Labo. It's for kids. Uh, That's the thing you should remember. Uh, Also, there are games coming next week. Uh, 2018, we had a a brief respite in, uh, you know, after the, the... holidays and uh, now the the season of gaming is starting up again in just a few days with two pretty big japanese bread games uh coming out on the 26th that's monster hunter world and dragon ball fighter z or dragon ball fighters um monster hunter world i think monster hunter is a series we've talked about a few times uh and always with the same how how can we say it um longing for the 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 joy that monster hunter seems to bring to people who love it <laughs> without being able to access it and um apparently monster hunter world is more accessible that's what everyone's been saying um 
And so maybe that's going to be the thing. They also, uh, Bandai Namco also uh, started a website called Adopt a Hunter or something like that, where you say when you are available and uh, veteran players can accompany you into that world because it's very multiplayer centric. And so it can introduce you to the world in a more, you know, enjoyable manner. So, um, yeah, I, I would love to try it. I think I'm going to be busy with other things, although I've been saying that for like three weeks and it's still not happening. So maybe I'll still have time. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, are you going to jump in? Are you going to try and discover the wonders of Monster Hunter? Yeah, I mean, it was one of the games that I was looking out for this year. Um, and it, the fact that it comes out around a time when like nothing else is really happening, except for a couple like choice indie games and stuff like that, then I think it might be worth my time to, to check it out yeah. um I mean, my other option is i just keep playing games that i missed last year so <laughs> <laughs> and there are many of those yeah but, oh yeah um, yeah it's really i think the the allure of monster hunter world is is pretty significant because they are promising some you know some easier uh interface elements and easier to get into so the the fans of that series are so rabid uh, and so enjoying it that I think it's very difficult if you're a gaming fan to not want to to at least try to get into that uh, that series because it's so big, especially in Japan. The other game is uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and um, they they had a beta over the weekend. Did you did you try it at all? Or no, nah, I mean this isn't my kind of game. We've talked about fighting games in the past, Patrick, and <laughs> well, <laughs> not my thing. Okay, so I'm a big Dragon Ball fan, and uh, oh, it's Capcom, not Bandai Namco. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I had a doubt, so I was Googling it as I was saying. <laughs> of course, Monster Hunter uh, is Capcom, and Dragon Ball is Bandai Namco. I crossed my signals there. Um, and so they had a beta. I, of course, tried it because I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. That's basically my generation's naruto or i don't know what the kids are enjoying these days but uh last you know 10 years it was naruto um and the the game itself as we've said many times looks amazing um uh, it plays pretty well there were issues with the beta uh the networking wasn't working mm -hmm. great and uh, it was very difficult to get into the actual game for a good portion of it so much so that they had to extend it um to get to allow people to play it a little bit and um it it's hmm. i think it's a game that is going to be fun as you would expect if you enjoy dragon ball uh at all and if you enjoy fighting games i think you might want to take a look at it maybe but it mostly it's mostly for dragon ball fighter uh, dragon ball fans um I'm going to wait to see if the network code is, you know, the network is holding and maybe I'll I'll buy it. I think it's very enjoyable and visually it's incredible. It is as um striking as we suspected when we saw the first trailers. They're not lying at all. Um it's incredibly well crafted. Um so did you play Xenoverse? The the Yeah, two Xenoverse games. Did, I, I did, played... Was the the net code for that pretty good? So Xenoverse is very different because it's very much of a it's a 3D fighting game, right? So okay, you roam around in the world and it's very free. And Dragon Ball Fighters is very much a 2D classical uh, right. game. Right. Uh, so you're on a plane. It's more like you know 
Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it does that really well. And it's fairly accessible, but it's still, you know. So, I don't know. I think I'll, I'll wait and see. I, I, after, right after I played the beta, I was like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. I want to play it all the time. Um, and now I've sort of, I'm a little bit less... Uh, you know, I played again a little bit, and it's it's very fun. But I think there are other things that are also calling my attention. So anyway, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I'm sure the people who enjoy Dragon Ball have you know are all over it already, and those who don't really don't care. And I guess the lesson is, if you don't care about Dragon Ball, I don't think you should care about this game. It's not so good that it yeah. warrants your attention. Um, a game that might warrant your attention, however, uh, is a game that I played. Uh, we're going to be talking about, as I said, a few games that we started playing um, over the, the last few days. And uh, one that has become really interesting is Street Fighter V. Because if you don't know, uh, again, fighting game, I know not everyone is a fan, so I'm going to go over it real quick. But um, Street Fighter V was released two years ago and had a real rough start. Like, it was network the the network was not stable at all there were issues of um uh the design of the game didn't allow them to track people who were just disconnecting and punishing them so they had to add this like maybe a year in which meant that when someone was starting to lose they would just disconnect and that was so frustrating and annoying um so anyway, they've improved the game over the last two years, and uh, now they released the Arcade Edition, which is a free update for everyone who already owns the game, uh, but it just updates the systems and the modes and all of that, but it doesn't add the characters that have been added over the last two years. Uh, however, if you buy the game fresh, the Arcade Edition itself, uh, you get everything together, and the Arcade Edition is uh, 40 bucks. And if you have uh, the base game, you can now purchase the characters from seasons one and two at a reduced price, which is uh, 10 bucks for season one and 15 bucks, I think, for season two. So I went ahead and bought all of those characters. Um, and they are they have a new season now, season three, that, which is also going to add six additional characters over the next year. So um, I think now... Um, it it has become a really good game and it is pretty good value for money. I mean, 40 bucks, you get 28 characters and all of the goodies from the game itself. Um, if you buy the, the arcade, arcade edition fresh. So it's still Street Fighter. I mean, if you're not into Street Fighter, it's probably not going to be for you. Um, if you want a very, very, very robust single-player experience, it's probably not going to be for you either. Although there are <laughs> like there's an, there's an arcade mode, there's a story mode, but they're pretty weak. the The core of the game is still the um, the basic you know one v one gameplay. But it is, you know, pretty compelling um, experience. Now I spent a bunch of hours uh, since. You know, in the last week when uh, uh, we got just before and after we got the arcade edition, and it, man, it's a it's a fun fighting game. Um, I think I would say if you have uh, bought it before and didn't stopped playing it because it was unmanageable, get back into it. It might be interesting. Um, if you were playing Street Fighter when you were younger and you've fallen off of uh, fighting games. Um, 
arcade edition might be a really fun time uh, to spend. I say it's not a single-player game. Obviously, it isn't. I would say if you want to play online, yes, but even more so if you have a friend or a group of friends and you want to have fun playing a fighting game, uh, you know, couch versus versus type of thing, it is awesome. Uh, this and Tekken 7, obviously, is even more approachable, probably. Someone was asking me on Twitter um, recently, what fighting game should I try if I want to get into it and I'm not uh, already proficient? I think Tekken 7 is a little bit more forgiving because you can just mash the buttons and fun things happen on top of it having a very deep gameplay um, mastery curve. But Street Fighter V is, is I think, a really good fighting game um, and is has now become a very recommendable um, very recommendable game with the arcade edition having finally arrived. So... Anyway, that is my recommendation of Street Fighter V. Um, you've been playing uh, a game from December, Xeno- Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the Switch, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a game that came out in December, and it uh, it is a long game. So I've been playing uh, playing it basically since it came out and continue to play it. Um, it... Um, so I was a huge fan of the original Xenoblade Chronicles. It uh, when it came out on the on the Wii, I pretty much played like 120 hours of it. Um, I was loving it so much. Um, and then Xenoblade Chronicles X came out for the Wii U, and I was a little less positive about that game, but still liked it enough. Um, but with Xenoblade Chronicles two, they really took the the game and condensed it down into like kind of what it what makes it uh, great. Um, and for those of you that don't know that the, like the style of combat for the original two games, the first two games was you had this long, uh, thing of arts and you would basically go between the, between the different arts to select them and use them in combat. Um, but they condensed that system down to basically you only get to choose three arts and each character has four to choose from. And then depending on your play style, you can switch them up. Um, and the the three arts that you choose are are basically Y, um, X, and B on the controller, and then so a it's is abilities a, basically. What you're calling yeah, yeah, arts is just yeah, yeah they're just called they're just called arts in the game. Okay. Um, and the, the the combat system is actually pretty interesting once it get once you get deep enough into the game where you start having to deal with elemental powers, and then after you you use a you can have different chain attacks with your party. So you have, you basically use arts to build up a chain. Um, and then once you get use enough arts, you get the ability to use a special move and there's different ranks of special moves, depending on how much you've let it build up. So you basically can use one, two and three of your ranks in order to use uh, a greater ability. And then you can do this chain attack thing where all your party attacks at once. Um, and the gameplay is like pause during that. But what I really found um, interesting, besides besides the combat, which kind of pulls you along through through the game, is the, the I think the story is really interesting. Which Xenoblade's uh, well known for their stories, and um, I think that there are some elements of it that are kind of kind of like it seems like anime writers were the people that wrote the wrote the story, especially the side stuff. But the um, the main story thread that's kind of pulling you through is is really interesting and keeping me going. So um, if you're if you want a big, like, large, bombastic RPG that for the Switch that, that isn't like, it seems more like a 
um, first party developed game because it is it's more like second party, but you get the idea. Mm. Um, like a, a shorter indie game, then I think it's I highly recommend it. To, so is uh, it how JRPG is it? How Japanese and how you know grindy and how cringeworthy is it if you're you know? So the, the just for the grinding part, the, there's a bunch of like you get a bunch of side quests and stuff like that. Um, I and if you do all the side quests that you kind of come across as you come across them before you move on to the rest of the story, um, you end up being a little bit overleveled for the story stuff, which is fine by me. I, I kind of prefer it that way. Um, so I don't know what would happen if you like go straight from story point to story point, whether you need, you would need to do some grinding. But um, basically the option is there for you to either grind if you wanted to, but really it's probably more beneficial for you to um, to just do the questing to, to get your experience. Okay. Um, for the the cringiness level of it, it's there's there's some things. Um, there's like so you have these things called blades, which are like synthetic beings that that ex- that are real like beings and they can talk and interact with people. But um, they're the xenoblades. One, that's that's yeah, what yeah. it is, right? Okay. Yeah, well, there's this thing. Uh, they're just called blades, and it's not okay. like r- related to the previous xenoblade game or xenoblade X, really. Um, oh, okay, it's not it's the just, sequel, just, like in the story. No, no, no. Okay. I, I think it's just kind of a a con- continuation of the same like general general ideas or whatever. All right. Um, so Final Fantasy the, type, like this is a new yeah. story rather than okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's important um, as well. Actually, we you don't have to have played the first one to oh, enjoy no, this nah, one. Mm. No, you don't. Okay. Um, I'm all. I'm just. I'm waiting for there to be a, a link in in the 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 long story threads, but uh, mm. I don't. I doubt there'll there'll be one. And if there is one, it'll just kind of be a passing thing and won't even be related to the the main story bits. Um, but yeah. So there's these, these synthetic beings called blades, and they and they act as your like elemental mastery um, kind of idea. Okay. And one of the people in your party has like an artificial blade, and he like when they first like show her waking up, it's like the joke is that he wanted her for combat and not for anything else. And then it like pans to his closet and he has a bunch of like little outfits for her and stuff like that. Okay. So, so it, there is that like, don't, don't right. get me wrong there. There is some, and then the main character and his blader kind of have a sort of relationship that, that no one wants to talk about. And, He's like, oh no, it's not like that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, are, are you playing in English? I am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there is like ja- a Japanese option, um, right? But With subtitles, I, I, I guess. I play in I play in English, and all the characters, uh, just like Xenoblade. Uh, so the original Xenoblade Chronicles had to be like a petition had to go out for it to get ported to uh, to the U.S. Mm. And so all the, but it came out in Europe just fine. So all the characters in the original version are British. Like all the voice actors, <laughs> okay. and so they actually continued that in this game, where all the voice actors, or a lot of the voice actors, are British. I, I'm, I think they have a couple of them that aren't, but uh, the, the main kind of human characters are all British uh, speaking, which is I, I think is cool. Okay. <laughs> but some, some of the blades are English speaking, or not English speaking, but American speaking. So I, I think they gives a nice balance to. Uh, to, to the idea, but still have a little bit of callback to the original game. Okay. Well, obviously the weapons are going to be American. That's not surprising. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Uh, okay. So Xenoblade Chronicles 2 recommended. Excellent. Yep. Um, there, there is a game that has been um, making a little bit of uh, noise recently uh, on Steam. It's one of those games that, that, you know, comes out of nowhere and might become something. So I checked it out. It's called They Are Billions and it's in early access. And it's, um, it's not something that is going to be as huge as, you know, PUBG or anything like that, but it's fairly interesting. They only have one mode available for now, and it's a survival mode. But essentially, mm-hmm. the game is an RTS, very much in the tradition of RTSs, you know, like StarCraft and others. And um, what you have to do in the, the only mode that's available now is build up your town and resist increasingly uh, large waves of zombie in- zombies invading, uh, trying to destroy your town. So it's kind of a... RTS slash little bit of tower defense, but it's very, very much an RTS first and a tiny little bit of tower defense in the sense that it's more of a resist the invasion mission in an RTS than an actual tower defense type game. Um, Mm. And I'm not a big fan of RTSs. Like, it's not something that I'm very much uh, interested in in general, but for some reason, this one kind of grabbed me a little bit. It's it's something that usually, you know, I, I don't even play more than five minutes because I get bored. And here I played a few games that were fairly long. Um, and that were, you know, it, it's the way the game is structured is motivating for you to keep expanding and, and trying to manage to get a little bit farther. Like it's, you are going to, it's very unlikely that you're going to go to the end of the survival uh, trial, which is a number of days. It's, uh, you know, for, for me, um, I'm choosing the 120 days, which spreads out the attacks that would occur in the regular mode of a hundred days over a little bit longer time. So it leaves you more time to build up your defenses. Um, And it's just it, you want to just go a little bit further every time. And initially, you're not going to survive the first uh, <laughs> attack because I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I, as I said, I'm really not. I played through the StarCraft campaigns, rough, like half of them. Uh, so I'm not. It, it has been years since I played an RTS. So it was like, wait, what? So I need what? Gold and, and wood and, and minerals. And what's happening now? And the zombies were like, uh, and I was dead. So how do I play video games again? Yeah, exactly. That that was me playing. They, they are billions, but it's just <laughs> it's fun. It's surprisingly fun for for genre that I am not uh, uh, supposedly not into at all. Um, the, graphically, it's okay. Uh, the the style is steampunkish type. Um, it's it and and one of the interesting aspects is the developers were saying they have developed the engine to handle like 20,000 units uh at the same time so when you start getting into the later invasions it is not just a few zombies like it's hordes and and that's where you get into the tower defense type logic because you have to build up walls and and cannons and stuff and and they are billions and the the promotional material for the game is pretty well done they play on that thing and so yeah it's it's a fun game it's uh not the 
best game ever. It's not something I would recommend anyone who hears about it rushes to to buy it. But I think it's a fun little holdover uh, while you're waiting for other bigger games to come out. Um, so it's on Steam Early Access. It's 20 bucks, so it's reasonably priced. And uh, you might get a few hours of fun out of it. Another game I tried is the new game for from uh, Cellar Door uh, Games, which is the developer of Rogue Legacy, a very well-known title from a yeah. few years ago. Um, and it's called... It's not Full Metal Furries, as I, I thought huh. initially. It's Full Metal Furies. And um, it's an interesting game, but I think you really need to play it with friends for it to be fun. You basically mm -hmm. play one of four character that are that have different abilities and um, you have to progress through a series of top-down view like three-quarters view level uh, it's very much a retro graphics pixelated art type game kind of like rogue legacy was um, and it seems like it would be immensely fun if i had people to play it with and <laughs> It's it's not that I don't have friends. I'm sure I could find, but I'm very much of a solo player and I just can't be bothered finding people at that moment when I have the one hour I okay, want to spend. Okay, Patrick, on we time. understand that you don't have friends. It's fine. You don't have to right, make excuses right. up for yourself. Okay, all right. Fair, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. So I don't have friends and so the game isn't super fun, but I can absolutely see how much fun it would be um, with friends. And, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, the the different classes of characters are really um different and and you know it's almost like a, a fighting game or an overwatch or you know that kind of thing it feels like it would be super uh, interesting to master all the different types of gameplays for the different characters so um yeah it's also 20 bucks it's it's fairly cheap it's also available on xbox one by the way it's probably an excellent uh couch fun co-op game as i mentioned earlier um so it's only 20 bucks i think it's worth it if you have friends to play with and you enjoy that type of uh, uh that type of beat them up beat them all action uh, type and if you if you haven't played rogue legacy yet i highly recommend it to anyone that yeah. that wants to give it a try their last game because it that was an incredible incredible uh game and so well controlled and tight to um play it was very satisfying well, i think if someone hasn't played rogue legacy yet I, I don't know you know they should yeah they're not they they have a problem in their gaming habits it's been out <laughs> for years and it's been out on on every platform um yeah rogue legacy is a good game as well uh you also wanted to talk about uh, hollow knight yeah so hollow knight is a um kind of metroidvania game um that came out i think March or April of last year or something like that. But in my, like you said, the, my lacking of gaming habits, I, I <laughs> didn't really get around to it until um, recently. And I've been playing it on, uh, on four player stream and the, the game is, um, I don't even know how to talk about it besides just, I, it's great. Like the, the combat is simple to start out with. And then you start to get more abilities and more stuff like that. It is hard as balls, <laughs> like very difficult and not forgiving at all. Um, you can stumble into an area. So one of the mechanics is that when you die, you have to go back and recover your um, 
either your gems or whatever that you use to spend money on, just like kind of Dark Souls kind of idea. It's very Dark Souls-y in its, uh, in its philosophy, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Not so at all the stays, stum- as you said, it's a Metroidvania, like 2D side-scrolling mm-hmm platformer type game but yeah it's it's not forgiving yeah so like you can go into an area and not be able to get out basically oh really and so like yeah yeah like like i got i got into an area that was intended to that was like covered in spikes and you would think that like oh it's covered in spikes so you probably shouldn't go down there unless you have some ability that can help you with that right Mm. and i was like no i'll go down anyway um (laughs) so i got to the bottom and then i got killed by some monster or, or something like that and then i realized that I couldn't go back down and then get back up with my my gems and stuff like that. So oh, so I, you had lost your gems forever. I, yeah, it was it was okay. bad, and then it didn't even matter because I died on the way down to to get my guy <laughs> anyway. So I was just right. like, screw this, I'm going somewhere else. But uh, mm. um, yeah, there's been a, a number of uh, I think I've probably lost about three thousand gems, which is quite a bit. Uh, in like the most expensive thing I can buy right now is eighteen hundred, and everything else is pretty cheap. So yeah. that's a lot of gems to lose. Um. But it, it it keeps me coming back, and it's the powers that you get are incredibly satisfying, and and make you feel stronger every time, and and stuff like that. So, um, I highly recommend it to anyone that likes. Uh, it reminds me very reminiscent of Ori in the Blind Forest, as far as it's uh like style, not st- maybe not style, but like it's a uh, gameplay yeah. um loop. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hollow Knight the all the characters are bugs, like little insects and stuff like that. So th- there's a little bit of um, joy that comes out of like the the design of the characters, and the music's great too. So um, highly recommend. Yeah, artistically, it's a it's a real achievement. It's very very yeah. well crafted. Um, I, I have a friend who is the biggest fan of Hollow Knight you will ever meet. He's basically it's his game of the year and to be fair a lot of people considered it as one of the best games of last year um i can't remember if we talked about it on the um on the end of the year episode maybe we did but um but it's definitely no actually maybe we didn't uh but anyway it's it's definitely a game worth considering for um the people who enjoy that game it's sort of i played it for a little bit and sort of got the fun of it but i thought it wasn't for me so i stopped but it is definitely a a pretty significant achievement it's one of those games that if 2017 hadn't been um as riddled with incredible experiences i think it would have stood out even more but it's still fairly well known and yeah looks like we didn't talk about on on pixels what you talked about on your friend's show yeah exactly benoit uh talked about it but yeah yeah and and I, i one one last little uh, thing that I'm trying to remember what I was going to say and I completely forgot it. So, uh, oh, it's 15 bucks. That's it. It's 15 oh, right. bucks and it's like a 40 hour game or something like that. So, mm. definitely worth uh, like timed hour, right for it. Um, right. And the last one I wanted to talk about was uh, Hero Academy Two, which I'm sure many people uh, will remember. Hero Academy One, which was an iPad game by Robot Entertainment. Uh, Robot Entertainment is also the company behind uh, Orcs Must Die, if you remember that. And um, Hero Academy One was an awesome, um, asynchronous, complex chess type. Um, 
game, right? It it, it was mm-hmm. basically you would get a team of different units uh, that would uh, be put on a board, and you had to kill the other teams, you know, the other players' team, and each team have had really different types of abilities there were like i don't know five six uh different teams but by the end of the game yeah. and it was just it was it was really a clever implementation of that idea and so when hero academy came two uh came out or when i heard about it actually it was on twitter someone uh mentioned it to me I was I I played Hero Academy one like we were playing it um, at at Blizzard with my friends like all the time and and the yeah. fun thing was you could play a turn and you would have like four or five games going and you could play a turn and and wait for the others to play their turn and it was it it was clean you know you bought the game then you bought additional um, teams if you wanted to but you didn't have to well Hero Academy two. <sighs> <laughs> I think that's my main comment about the game. It's like, imagine a a version of Hero Academy 1 where a team of designers came in and thought, how can we microtransaction this game up the wazoo? Oh, no. It is... It has everything. Card, par- card pa- packs, gems, gold, like five different currencies. It's... And I understand, you know, at the core of the game, I think there is a very intelligent um, idea to make a follow-up that is not the same as the first one. Because it's there's no point remaking Hero Academy 1. Like, you, you don't want to make the exact same game. So what they did was you you have cards, and each card is either a unit or an ability and instead of playing it like Hearthstone where you put the cards on the board then you just, you know, attack what's in front of you, you actually have a board which is ch- a checkered board. So you position your units and they have to move and they have different abilities and there's a, a turn-based um, strategy and card game, uh, collectible card game hi- hybrid at the core of it, which is really like, imagine Hearthstone if you had to place your units on a, on a chessboard, right? And, and they had yeah. different abilities depending on that. So that idea, I think, is very compelling. But... The way it's done is the worst, like, implementation of free-to-play. Uh, uh, like, when you start, the the tutorial is that kind of, you don't understand anything. You just have a voice show up and tell you, now click on this icon. And this. the icon is, is, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The icon is glowing and you can't do anything else. And you have, and it says, now place your hero here. And it's like the laziest. And I understand they work, you know, some of those do work through sheer force of marketing and and sometimes quality of the game, but maybe the game is super fun behind it and maybe it's balanced and maybe you don't have to pay a lot of money and maybe I'm going to spend a little bit of time exploring it a little bit further. But the initial impression, it is so disappointing to see that Mm -hmm. that's the way they've chosen to do it. So, I don't know. Well, yeah, uh, maybe I'll I'll play a little bit more and give it give it uh, uh, more of a fair shake. But so far, I mean, the initial impression is really disappointing. So, 
We'll see. So anyway, those were uh, the games we wanted to talk about. And let's uh, finish up with a few tidbits of news. Um, the first one is another bit of disappointment. And that one is with Bungie that is managing to, you know, I was joking on Twitter earlier. I was saying, I, I know how fool me once goes and I know how <laughs> fool me twice goes, but I wonder how fool me 174 times goes and that is basically where we are with Bungie right now they have consistently been disappointing their community on destiny 2 for since the release of the game with uh you know disappointing end game which is one thing but also um hidden counters that would limit the amount of stuff you would you could earn which could be explained if they had been you know, open about it initially and explained why they were doing things and maybe corrected the little missteps. But this has been happening maybe, you know, every two weeks you have a new instance of something wrong going wrong with <laughs> Destiny 2 and Bungie having to come out like it's it's getting into meme status now. They come out and they say, we're sorry, this is not how we intended it to be implemented and we're listening and we're going to do better. And you're like, dude, at some point... And they just had like a couple of weeks ago a big community focused um, communication piece where they were saying we know we messed up on this and we know we had issues with this and that we're going to do better we're going to you know improve this aspect and that aspect and this is what we're thinking of of changing here and there and and a week later or two weeks later they have another uh, fumble with the it's the faction rally now which it doesn't really even matter what it is it's just another instance of them having to come out and, and apologize for something and you know it would be bad if it was the first time you know the first game but they had similar ish issues uh, even less actually with destiny one so it's like you look at this, and as I said in the end of year episode, you look at Destiny 1 and in, in Destiny 2, and it seems like they have learned nothing. And they, they're doing... Ugh. Anyway, I'm so disappointed and so saddened by what's been happening with Destiny 2 and Bungie as a company. And this is not Activision. You know, this is not... I, I know some people might be willing to blame um, the big corporate overlord, and certainly they might have some influence on the way some things are going. But the core of the design of it is is problematic with this game. And I think we're going to see someone in a few months, you know, I'm wondering if, well, I don't want to say any names because I don't know who's responsible for anything, but I think someone is going to take the fall. And in a few months, we're going to see someone leave the company and it's going to be very corporate and very polite and very kind. And everyone is going to be like, we value the contributions of blah, 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 that they have been, um, you know, contributing to the game for years and we're, we wish them the best in the future. But they're everyone will know what it will be. So, Yeah, and I, I think I agree with you that at a certain point you got to put the, the blame on, on Bungie themselves just because of, like, like Activision, sure. they I'm sure they, like you said, I'm sure they have some control over things but the their control over blizzard doesn't seem to be like super um like handholdy or anything like that so at a certain point you gotta get lay the blame at bungie's feet themselves in order to maybe have some accountability for 
for what their their poor decisions. Yeah, I mean, Activision can say things like, we want you to make this a constant revenue stream, right? We want right. you to be able to microtransaction this game and be able to make it not just one uh, 60 bucks game every year. We need to have more than this in order to, um, you know, to, to give you the budget you need. All right, that might lead to some poor decision making. In like the the Battlefront Two was an example of EA probably pushing for implementations that were detrimental to the game in the end. I think right. that's believable. In the case of Destiny Two, the 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 core of the issues are not just the implementation of the microtransaction nature of the revenue model. In the case of Destiny 2, there are some core uh, decisions for the design of the game underlying the monetizationizability <laughs> um, of the game that are also at fault. And and communications-wise, it's like half of the things that have been uh, problematic in the game are things that if Bungie had been more open about it and explained why they were doing some of the things they were doing it would have been much less of an issue. Like they give you an opportunity in an event to accumulate a certain, you know, certain items from the game or a certain currency. And because they don't want people to farm the same activity over and over and over again, they they bring in diminishing return for that activity in regards to the currency. That's fine. I think it's okay to say to, to do so if you say it. But you can't give an event where you tell people, well, you're going to be able to earn this. And secretly, after they do it three times, then they have no chance of earning it anymore and not saying it. Then you say, hey, in order for people to do varied activities, here's what the limits we have in place are. It's and and doing it once is bad enough. Doing it like three, four times over the course of two months, I don't. It's like there is something seriously rotten in the kingdom of Bungie. So <laughs> anyway, um, disappointment. Uh, well, Epic Games is also disappointed with one of its uh, flagship games, or what they would have liked to be a flagship game, and that's Paragon. It's funny because Paragon um, was pushed last year, the year before, as this uh, big uh, initiative from Epic for the 3D, you know, MOBA type that they would uh, uh, they would basically bring MOBAs into the 3D third-person view world. And obviously, Paragon has not known a huge amount of success. It was, you know, bundled in the hero shooter uh, explosion of 2016. So it had a lot of competition and there were a lot of entrants and very few winners in that category. Um, but they were still pushing the game until the end of last year. And they were saying, yes, the future is bright for Paragon. And <laughs> a few weeks later, they're like, so... Uh, here's the deal. Fortnite is really working out for us and Paragon not so much. So we're not sure Paragon is something we're going to keep pushing so so much anymore. So basically they're letting people down easy. Um, 
It's interesting to read because they're saying none of the novel concepts we introduced in Paragon resonated enough with the community for it to be a breakout success. And so it's now languishing with a poor population. They're being very realistic about what the game is and why it didn't catch up. And on the other hand, they have Fortnite, which wasn't going anywhere, but with the addition of the um, uh, Battle Royale mode has become a very successful game. And yeah, they're being realistic. They're like, well, we have this thing and we have this other thing and that other thing is working out. So let's push the thing that is working out. Uh, It makes sense. It's just a little bit sad for Paragon. But Epic is, is, I think, um, ending up a a winner on that equation. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Have you been playing uh, Fortnite Battle Royale? No, I I haven't been playing it at all. I think the... um... We talked about the PUBG and the, the zeitgeist around that. Right, right um, yeah. How I was interested in the idea, but it wasn't something that was like really pulling me out to full out, go out and buy the game um, yeah. at, at that moment. So, um, Well, Fortnite is, uh, is free to play. And I think that is, I mean, the Battle Royale mode is, is free to play. And that's mm-hmm. a big factor in its success. I think a lot of people... Um, on PlayStation, especially because uh, PUBG is not available on PlayStation, but on all platforms, um, a lot of people are taking the opportunity to try out this mode. Uh, and I don't know if you if we mentioned it, but Paladins um, is oh yeah, I mentioned it last episode. Paladins is also adding a battle royale mode, so um, I think they're calling it Battleground actually. <laughs> so um, now we just need Overwatch too. Overwatch. Overwatch to add one. Oh, we just need Overwatch <laughs> to add a battle royale mode, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that might be a really fun if they manage to find a way. I think that's what I was saying about Paladins. Uh, hero shooters are a little bit different because you need progression throughout the twenty, forty minutes of the game. Um, so you need additional abilities. And I don't know how that works in a hero shooter, and I don't know that it will work in in Overwatch. But um, it would be interesting to see uh, what would happen if they tried their hand at something like this. Yep. Um. Fable is a game people like or a series people remember fondly. And uh, apparently the people at uh, Microsoft uh, think that it might be worth bringing it back. Obviously, um, the the franchise was launched by... Um, um, ah, the name escapes me. Uh, Lionhead. Lionhead, thank you, which was closed uh, yep. in 2016. And now, apparently, according to the rumors, uh, Microsoft saw the success of Horizon Zero Dawn and they were like, maybe single player games are not <laughs> uh, such a bad idea after all, the big open world single player games, because Microsoft was basically saying, we don't do that anymore. Um, yeah, they canceled they... Scalebound and yeah. Fable in the same like couple months span. Mm-hmm. Um, Fable Legends, right? Um, uh, no, I think they well they shuttered Lionhead completely. Right, right, right. But that's that was the, a while ago. That was like 2016. That was two years ago. But um, yeah, it was. But it was at the same time that they closed down the Scalebound. Right, uh, right, right. Project. Oh no, that w- I thought that was last year. Or was that last year? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Um, the the developer for for this version would be um uh, the company behind Forza uh, Horizon. Um, and, uh, again, I can't remember the name of that, uh, developer. That I do not have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, it must be somewhere in the 
article I'm looking at, but I can't find it. Uh, I will, sorry. But yeah, so it's, it's, uh, I, I can imagine that they would have uh, gotten some people from Lionhead now. And they're like, oh, oops, okay, well, maybe we can do something with this. And um, yeah, I, I never played Fable, but I know it is very popular with um, mm-hmm. a, a huge uh, part of the gaming population. So I, I think this is the kind of thing that Microsoft needs. And I hope that we're seeing this uh, happen as a consequence of Phil Spencer gaining, you know, ranks and power in um, the Microsoft organization. And so he's able to push some of those big beacon titles uh, for development in the in the company. And we'll see those happen more and more. So, um, yeah, that's good news. Um, what else? Uh, Metal Gear Survive. We've, we have a trailer for that thing. Um, (laughs) so Metal Gear Survive is a game by Konami post, uh, Hideo Kojima, the, of course, creator of Metal Gear, which is basically, it seems like it's a betrayal of everything Metal Gear (laughs) and Kojima stood for. It, it, it's so different it almost feels like it's a thing that Konami put together out of spite for Kojima. <laughs> like I, I don't yeah. think it's the case, but that's what it feels like. It's essentially the trailer makes it look like um, Orcs Must Die, which I referenced earlier, which is essentially a tower defense third person view game. Um, yep. I, I don't think that game is going to, maybe it's going to surprise me, but I don't know. What do you think? I think that the, I mean, the gameplay of Metal Gear Solid Five was like solid, right? So, um, taking that gameplay and that engine and putting it into uh, something else is is a good big business decision. I, I just think that 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 Konami has soured people on their their tr- what their perceived treatment of Kojima, um, and I, I just don't think they'll this game will kind of do anything. I think they'll be. Um, some people that kind of don't follow the news of um, the video game industry like very closely that will that will see this and be like, oh, that Metal Gear game, I, I know that game, and um, and they'll probably buy it, and they'll it, it probably will be a well put together game for like being a tower defense game, but I, I just don't I just don't see it appealing to me or really anyone else that knows the story and the history behind it now yeah i think um a lot of people are not gonna i think people will review it fairly um and it Mm -hmm. does obviously add some brand recognition if you call it metal gear rather than you you know if if they had called it zombie invasion party it would have been like (laughs) (laughs) a lot less um uh, uh, it would have gotten a lot less publicity so yeah, as you said, from a marketing standpoint, a business standpoint, it makes sense. I think it, if it was, if it turns out it's a good game, it will be judged fairly. I don't think people are going to just pan it just in the press. You know, the professional people, yeah. they're not going to pan it right. just because it's a Metal Gear game that <laughs> stabs Kojima in the back. But um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as something that is going to set the world on fire. 
something that is setting the world a little bit on fire is the Overwatch League that started last week that has attracted uh, 10 million viewers in its first week. Obviously, the opening week is going to be more successful than the uh, the subsequent week until probably the finals. Uh, to give you a little bit of context, uh, the finals for the League of Legends competition last year uh, generated 60 million views on the finals uh, game uh, itself. So obviously in the first week when we're talking about 10 million views for Overwatch, it is um, a little bit wider because you might, it's not unique, right? It's cumulative. So it might be actually a million people that watched uh, 10 times on average or a little bit more that watched a little bit less. And Obviously, it doesn't compare to something like uh, the, the biggest esports that has been the biggest esports um, for years and years, and and um, that manages to uh, create sixty million views for one game. I'm, I'm mentioning this because I've seen a lot of comments saying, "Oh, this is ridiculous compared to X big game like CS:GO or League of Legends." Uh, that's a pretty unfair comparison. What's interesting is the. Uh, the fact that the launch of the Overwatch League is fairly um, positive, and people have been uh, have been getting some uh, positive reactions to it, and they are uh, pretty happy with the production value. They they put a lot of money into it, and it shows. Uh, there are some weaker points, like uh, people are starting to notice that a lot of the matchups have been very. Um, one-sided a lot of the teams are so much better than the other teams that it's basically uh, four to zero um in the in the the games um but overall i think it's really good start and the quality is definitely there i mean the basis of the the foundation of the thing is very very healthy i think and um there are some things that work a little bit better some things that work a little bit less well um there are uh watch point recap videos that they're doing for each week of the season which i think are a little bit gimmicky at times and could be a great way of uh, uh keeping up with what's happening in the league without having to watch all of the multi-hour games but um it's overall, I think it was very enjoyable. I, I hope that we see in the season two or season three, I really hope we see uh, European and, well, Asian for the Asians. I care a little bit less, but European divisions so that I can root for my local team and that I can have games at a time where I can actually um, watch them and not in the middle of the night and I have to catch the VODs um, the, the, week, the, the day after. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to be watching a few games here and there, and definitely when the finals uh, come around, you know, the the final championship for the whatever session uh, name they have, uh, I'm definitely going to be watching that for sure. So yeah, did you get a chance I, I agree to watch? with you. Yeah, I did a, a little bit, um, a couple of like smaller matches, not really like an entire match. I, I didn't watch, but um, I like that there's the the built-in like um, functionality in the game to watch it. I like that the they're kind of have like a built-in connection to the game where you can like basically mm. get uh, different team colors and stuff like that, which I think is cool. 
Well, you can. Um, that's uh, I didn't mention it. You do have a, an Overwatch League tab on the Blizzard launcher yeah. now, which obviously right. is going to bring a lot of people. When the the games are live, you have a menu flashing in game uh, that tells you, "Hey, the Overwatch League is fine is live." You can click, and it brings you to that. Uh, to that page, so obviously that's a lot of views as well. And you can buy um, in the game now. You can buy uniforms, so basically color uh, colors for the different heroes that fit the different teams uh, from the league. So that's also a big uh, yeah synergy with the game itself. Yeah, it's kind of I, I don't know. I I think it's interesting the way they uh, the way they did the colors. They give you one free one that you can unlock on one character. Mm. Um, and then you can buy like points, obviously, to to kind of unlock others. And I think right. you can earn them too through normal gameplay. Um, uh, no, you can't actually. You have to. Oh, buy you can't. Those. Okay, yeah. okay. I was wondering about that because uh, so the only way you can get those things is to buy like what looks like loot boxes, but basically they're just giving you a bunch of points that you can then spend. Yeah. So it's not like an actual loot box. No, of, it's not a loot box. Uh, it's really just there. points. So it's really a currency for money. So the money goes to Blizzard and the the teams. Yeah. Is there any alternative way to earn that that currency I don't at all, think so. or is it just? No. Yeah, I mean, okay. Blizzard can you know award it for events yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, but no, you can't play. Sure. You can't earn it through in-game uh, anything. So it's really a way to like it's like buying a jersey from a team in in a store. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so um, there's that. Uh, and uh, finally, there is a uh, partnership between uh, Ubisoft and Lego. Uh, hmm. with Tencent, which is an interesting little thing that I thought wow, I'd mention. Wow, that's a weird combination of things. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Um, I think we've heard about it a little bit more in France because Ubisoft, of course. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, Tencent, I wonder if uh, they're going to be targeting the Chinese market uh, specifically or if it's going to come out uh, elsewhere. I'm guessing it's probably going to be coming out in um, in france as well in other platforms what they're they're talking about wechat gaming and stuff like that um so we'll see uh it's it's probably going to be mobile because you know tencent is mm -hmm. focused on china yeah. but yeah ubisoft going in that direction is really interesting uh working with lego that has traditionally been i think they've been doing stuff for um with uh, warner brothers right because all of the um uh Lord of the Rings and DC uh, Lego games. So it's yeah. another direction. I wonder what, what's going to happen there. And Lego definitely has a huge potential in gaming and they've, they've been exploring it very successfully uh, in the past few years, but maybe Ubisoft could take them in a different direction. And Ubisoft has been quite successful as well um, in, in recent history. So yeah, looking forward to that as well. And that is going to be it for this uh, episode of the show. Uh, that, that, I don't know when we're going to, I'm going to be coming back. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm glad that we got to do this one and, uh, round up a little bit of what we, uh, what has been happening. So, um, if people want more of Ed, where would they find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at, at Adesis. Um, that will obviously be in the show notes as usual. Um, if you want to know, if you want to watch me stream live, I stream live Wednesday nights at about nine o'clock Eastern time on the, on 4pp.tv. And we stream, um, every night and we have our podcast, uh, that I'm not on, but the rest of the group is, um, 
every Thursday night. And then keep an eye out on our YouTube channel for our upcoming top 10 games of the year, which you got a preview on last time I was on. But uh, maybe the, the bottom five will surprise you. So, <laughs> so keep an eye on, out for that. Cool. Uh, thank you very much. I am not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, if you want to keep up with what's happening in my life, you can follow me there. Of course, uh, you can find this uh, show on frenchspin.com. You'll also find other shows like the Phileas Club. Well, one other show like the Phileas Club, which is <laughs> a show about... Um, uh, what's happening in the world and we get people from different parts of the world to to talk about it so we get different uh opinions and angles and and cultures so that is interesting to some people as well and uh yeah that's about it we will uh probably be taking a little break of one episode i think <laughs> to take care of diapers hopefully at some point the baby will decide to come out and uh, we'll be back fairly soon after that with lots of stories to tell so i hope you enjoyed this episode and i will talk to you when we come back bye later Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 